Welcome back to another episode of Under the Lights. This week we're looking ahead to the big game against Leicester at the weekend and we've got a special guest from the Leicester fan base. My name is Tom Murray. My name is Callum Wilson and this is Under the Lights. We are back for another episode of Under the Light, second of the year. Big game this weekend, Leicester away. Who would have thought this time last year that this would be a battle of two top six, top seven sides? Yeah, especially this far into the season with the, the turn of the year. And, and I think Southampton fans' appetite is, is well and truly whetted what with uh, the lack of FA Cup game. And we haven't played since that uh, massive result against Liverpool right at the beginning of the year. So we'll be going into it with a uh, much needed rest after that after that period during Christmas and with our tails up because uh, the last we saw of Saints was uh, Ralph Carson had talked on his hands and knees, clearly emotional. And we'll be looking to take that to the King Power, which is, uh, which is never an easy place to go. I, I feel like we've been kind of almost intertwined with with Leicester throughout the years since since we both moved into our stadiums we were in the Premier League then we both went down as far as League One and it all seemed to happen around the same time and obviously we've we've both come back into the Premier League and 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 cemented ourselves there for for the considerable but throughout that period we've always found it difficult going to the King Power and it won't be any different on Saturday. Absolutely. And of course, this is a bit of a first for us because we have got one of the enemy on our uh, on our podcast today. We've got opposition fan Pete Selby is joining us and also part of the, the Leicester AD team. Of course, Callum and I have been doing the Southampton AD for Alan March Sport, uh, but Alan March Sport have their finger in many pies, as it were, Leicester being one of them. Pete, one of the originals, as it were. Welcome onto the show. Well, thanks for having me. Yeah, one of the originals. They've uh, they've stuck with me since, well, for the last, say, six, seven years since Alamarch started doing the AD Calm Down at the King Power. Uh, I was there on day one, uh, a cup game, I seem to remember, with about six, 7,000 people there, a League Cup game. And now, uh, well, hopefully, by the time back in the King Power Stadium, they'll be uh, still aiming for top four, etc. after all that's happened in those last seven years but uh, it's, it's been brilliant but uh, yeah great to be on and great to be talking about uh, about two sides who are doing really well I know it's been uh, kind of the norm for Leicester over the last few years to be roughly where they are but Southampton as you mentioned there's a lot of similarities I've always mentioned Southampton and Leicester the very similar size clubs that you mentioned about the grounds and, and the kind of immediate history in the last 20 years and I don't want to say mini Leicester because that's kind of disparaging towards Southampton but the way that we are at the moment, the place that we're in, we're just that one stay step in front of Southampton. But I always look favourably on them. Not this week. Before we delve into the uh, the differences between the two sides, I have to ask you, were you there for Leicester against Everton, I believe, in 2016? Were you there for the uh, the lifting of the trophy? I was there. I was I was there all season. What a season to, to have. It was That day was just incredible. The game really didn't matter, but it, it was... It was a very strange show. First of all, the weather, which when you watch it on TV or you see kind of highlights of that day, it tipped it down. It, it hammered it down with rain at two or three different times throughout the day. But then the rest of the day was really quite warm. It was an amazing day. Something you never forget. Uh, loads of footage, loads of photos being taken all the time. And uh, I can just see it right now, what happened on the field. 
the best season that will ever happen. Even if something amazing happens, even this season, there's still plenty of possibilities involved in many competitions. But whatever they do in their history, whatever they go on to do, it will never be as good as that season. It was just the most unbelievable season in football. And being there witnessing games at the King Power, commentating on them, doing the AD Com, also then going to away games as well as a supporter, you're not, you're not going to beat it. Now we go back to you describing sort of Saints as a, a mini Leicester. I, now I completely agree with that because it's a case of that's what Southampton want to, so they want to be like because Leicester at the moment are considered very much the, the, the best of the teams outside of those top six. I mean, you're, you're third now last season. I believe it was fifth that you finished. So would you consider, or do Leicester, is it a bit too early to consider if Leicester were to finish in the top six this season that they could maybe start to sort of bully their way into being considered one of those big like sort of the, uh, it, it's strange you don't want to make it the big seven the big eight the big nine or anything like that but do you think that Leicester are sort of if they continue that they could easily make a sort of a case for them being considered as in that sort of the big seven sides of the league absolutely there's there's one thing that happens in football when it's happened with Leicester only a few years ago and it happens with at least maybe one club every say two years, but you get a, a team together, you get an 11 or 12, maybe a, a squad of say 14 players who go and take that club into, into places that they've either never been before or never been for a long time. And that doesn't make the club into a top six side. It might be for that one season and then they'll drop away, even possibly get relegated. Maybe a, a team who's been promoted all of a sudden do well with that side. So you have to look at how the club then progresses. And since the league win, the investment in Leicester has been sustained. It's been put in the right places. And they've also invested the money that they've got from sales of, of players. And in the last few weeks, we've moved into a £100 million training ground, an amazing facility. And it's those leaps forward that moves a club like Leicester into the position to be a top six side, a redevelopment plan of the King Power Stadium's underway. There's so much to point at Leicester to say yes they've had a good side since promotion including obviously winning the league but overall as a football club if you were going to sign for Leicester a couple of years ago yes you're going to play in a nice stadium but the training ground's not fantastic it's been there for 60 years uh, overall the, the wage structure is fairly decent but now when you move into a facility that is just so unbelievable that they've built that's when you kind of look at Leicester and go right that's a club I can now go and sign for and be generally at a really, really big club. If you move to Leicester, are you going to play international football? Yes, all the players that have moved on to play for England in the last three or four years. Are you then also going to get a move to a, a proper big side if you so desire? One player a year goes on and plays for Chelsea, Manchester United, whoever, for very, uh, very different uh, reasons and success. And that money then gets re put him back to the club. I mean, the training ground, it could be called the Riyad Mahrez training ground because all the money sold uh, we got from, uh, from him to Man City got uh, ploughed into that. So overall, every stage of the football club has moved forward. But in the last few weeks, I reckon now you can really look at Leicester and go, we are a genuine top six side on the field, but off the field, we can now rival any club really in the Premier League. Yeah, and there's a lot of, there are a lot of similarities from what you're saying with Southampton, just as I listen to you, in terms of the, the upgrading of, of the training grounds, the, the facilities for, obviously, we have for the academy and, and, and the first team are 
are at a different level to what what they used to be. Um, the main thing being that you you mentioned a lot about the money that comes in from the sales of top assets, and you you, you almost describe that as a, as a as a positive for the club. And well, I say almost you you do you you lost Riaz Mares, you've lost many other players. Chilwell being one of the most recent ones, got a lot of money for them but have reinvested into the squad. Whereas with, with Southampton and, and our fan base, we had enough a long time ago, to, to be perfectly honest, of buying good players and making them into brilliant players, selling them on for a big fee, and then looking back and wondering, you know, if we'd kept some of those, where we might be. And I think that's the difference uh, a lot of the time between being a big top six club and staying there and, and not being one, because... There's only so far you can go in investing and there's only so much you can get right in that scouting network. And we did it for years and years, at times losing half of our squad uh, of our first 11 and, and reinvesting and, and getting it right. And then one day you just don't. And what I've noticed with Leicester is that they do have a real eye for, for a player and very similarly to, to Southampton over those sort of uh, Pochettino and Koeman years where you're bringing in players that no one really knows about for 10, 15, 20 million, selling them on for, for four times that. And, and it's often the case that you see a, a player linked with Leicester and you think, oh, they must be decent. And, and in fact, when we were linked with Diallo and we ended up getting him, he had been linked with Leicester. And I thought to myself, well, we can't both be wrong because uh, the track record of both, both clubs are bringing in players is so good but yeah as you mentioned before the similarities between the two clubs are massive just that small difference of uh, of a premier league trophy in the last decade tipping it tipping it Leicester's way we, we we've got to hold our hands up it's it's not unusual for us to get things wrong on here we we made predictions at the beginning of the season and i think along with the majority actually tipped Leicester to maybe not do as well as they did last season mostly i would suspect based on that awful sort of capitulation when uh, Project Restart came about and I think Leicester was sort of second or third in the league. They were up there with Man City in that sort of race for second place and ended up obviously missing out on the top four. And that wretched form we thought might carry on into this season, but Leicester turned it around, drew a line under it and they've been fantastic. They brought in a couple of really decent signings. Fafana has been um, excellent and so Castagna uh, up at Tiller's injury. Do you believe that there was a, a particular turning point or something different that Brendan Rodgers did at the beginning of this season as opposed to the end of last? Because something I've noticed is the change of formation as you've gone through the, system, uh, the season with three at the back. Do you think that was uh, something that was sort of decided upon by Rodgers in order to, to turn that around? Or do you just think what with Project Restart and everything that was happening... Um, it just didn't work for you. I think when, when football restarted after the lockdown, I was actually really confident about Leicester and how they would, how would they go about things because of the way that they play. I didn't think the, the changes in football would really harm them. Ultimately, absolutely completely wrong and they dropped out of the top four in the last game. And I, I wouldn't blame anyone. We, many Leicester fans were very worried about the start of the season. What's going to happen here? Not worried about whether the team's good enough, but because they're in such poor form at the end of one season, is that going to carry on into the next? It hasn't. And it hasn't for a few reasons. First of all, you, you do forget when you go through a long run 
of poor results, you, you do forget how good of actually side you've got when you've got your first team on the field of play. We had a few injuries towards the end of last season. We started this season very well, even though the injuries grew and grew. And we got to the point where we basically had our first choice full defence not on the field. And that was for the best part of about six weeks. Incredible run of injuries at the back. They've brought in a couple of players. Timothy Castagna's turned into a, a really, really solid signing. Started really well, had an injury, come back in the side and has been excellent. Wesley Fafana, when we're talking about clubs progressing, Leicester have now moved into a position where, yes, they're still buying players for relatively small amounts of money and then selling them for, for, for big amounts three or four years later if they've had good success. And that will always continue because players will want to play for Man U or Man City. That's never going to be the case uh, they're not going to just stick around at a club like Leicester. But we've now progressed in where we can spend £40 million on Yuri Tillemans. We can spend £32 million on a 19-year-old centre-half who's played 25 games in, in uh, French football. That would never happen. It's the most, we said on the podcast, it was the, the riskiest signing Leicester have ever made in their history. It had to have been. And Wesley Fofana is, is a different level of player that we've ever signed before, ever. Because it's all about the possibility with him. And you don't sign a player for £32 million, the club the size of Leicester, for possibility. You want that player to be, to, to be gun ready. And he's been absolutely fantastic. They wanted to play three at the back, or at least Brendan Rodgers wanted to. He hasn't been able to for a number of reasons, mainly through injuries. Also, he's been forced into playing three at the back. And a lot of players who have been, not forgotten about, but they've had chances to move away from the football club for a number of different reasons. And the main one really would be someone like Christian Fuchs, Premier League winner. He's been playing left side of the back three because we needed him to play there. He can no longer really play fullback for Leicester because he's too old and slow, basically. But he's been playing out of his skin. Now the players are coming back from injury, the likes of Soyuncu. We still haven't had Ricardo, player of the year the last two years, one of the best fullbacks in European football, let alone the Premier League. And one important change for me is Yuri Tillemans, a, a tremendous footballer, one of the best creative midfielders in a midfield too in the Premier League, alongside Wilfred Ndidi, who's now back in the side, who was uh, replaced by uh, Mendy, who has now been playing football injury-free for the first time since we've pretty much signed him. And he was fantastic in the first part of the season, replacing Ndidi, who was injured. Uh, the game against Man City when we beat them 5-2 at the Etihad, prime example, Mendy was fantastic. But what um, Yuri Tillemans has done, he's just sat about 10 yards deeper than before and become more of a playmaker. He's increased his fitness, his strength. He basically couldn't play Wednesday, Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday before. Um, he was quite fragile. He's played a lot of football from 17 to what he is 20, now, 23, say. And he can now do that. Other players developing at pace, the likes of Madison, the likes of Barnes, who really has kicked on this season. So these players who are about 22, 23, they've had a year of experience, a further year. So I think the whole team's just progressed. But then you bring in a player like um, James Justin, who's had a season at Leicester, and he has been nothing short of sensational. He's essentially a replacement fullback for Ricardo. He has now kicked on to the point of he really should be called up for England. And I'm not being over the top here. He is a two-footed, right-sided wing-back with exceptional ability to be a defender in a back three. He's got great pace. He scored a fantastic goal against Stoke in the FA Cup. There's an example of wanting to play him on the left so he can cut in. Strong, can play every single game, no problems asked. Um, a proper player. 
you bring in the likes of Surinjo at the back, it, it's all coming, they're all coming back now. The cavalry has arrived in the likes of Castagna, Soyuncu, Wilfred and Didi. These players are now back playing for Leicester alongside your Evans and your Fafanas at the back. Going forward, JV still there, banging in the goals. So overall this season, you've got the fact that I think a few play people forgot how good Leicester were and they've hit the ground running. But also the players who have come in to replace the stars because of injury have really performed. Rogers has, has changed the side around one or two times, taken a few risks against the big sides and it's paid off. Big risk against Arsenal away from home. Vardy comes on without a warm-up, bang, scores, 1-0, take the victory. Uh, complete change in formation, start of football against Man City, go and beat them. And we sit third in the league, qualified for the Europa League knockout stages in the FA Cup uh, with a decent draw, possibly through until the quarters. It's all going really well. There's still one or two question marks in the squad, but at the moment, it's all good. Now, you say it's how, how rosy the situation is, and I hate to bring it down a little bit but one thing that could maybe be considered a Leicester's Achilles heel as it were is the home form this season hasn't been brilliant I mean looking at the stats 10 points from eight games four defeats that to Villa Fulham West Ham and Everton the only four teams to get fewer than 10 points so far at home this season are the current bottom four sides why do you think Leicester are so good away from home but at home, they're struggling. Away from home, I mentioned a couple of big wins. The Arsenal win, the Man City win. It was just a, a complete change of, of formation to go against what they were doing. And, and also with the side that we had out at the time, it was Rodgers really rolling the dice, but believing in his players and the players coming in. And, and they rewarded him with those wins. Away from those specific performances, we still have that element of being a fantastic counter-attacking side. You know, you, you replace in your... Okazaki's and Uriad Mahrez is of the 2016 season uh, with Barnes and also maybe on the other side someone like Albrighton still there but Cengiz Unders is a very quick player and of course Jamie Vardy so you've still got the the elements of a great counter-attacking side we use that to a win uh, to win away at Leeds impressively for example so we're always going to have good away form the home form has been as you mentioned really patchy and the problem that we've had at home over the last few years, really, has, um, has really shown up in these games. When teams come and sit deep against Leicester, it's well known if you do that, then Leicester, when they have the ball, um, they're a very good football inside, but they can struggle to break sides down. They don't really have a plan B. There's, no, there's a very um, distinct lack of height in the football team. So not going route one, but just swinging a ball over into the middle is never going to work for Leicester. So if plan A doesn't work, you can try and change things around all you like formation-wise. But in the Premier League now, that's not really going to hold sway. And then you can get caught on the counter like we were at home against Villa. The Fulham win, um, that was a horrible performance. But hats off to Fulham because they did play very well in that game. So overall, I'm not too worried about the home form. It's just, I think if Leicester can just develop their play better... I'd love to see them have a, a taller centre-forward as well as an option. But if they can just develop their, their play and also have the confidence that they have away from home, at home, and I can see them turning the form around. And also, if you have one part of your form that you want to work on and to, to try and improve, if that's the home form, I'd rather it be home than away. Because I think at home, you, you can develop your play a lot better than, than having a terrible away record. That can really liberate you through a season. So if it was going to be one or the other, I'd rather have it this way. But it is a problem. It is a, 
a, a bit of an issue, but I'm not overly concerned. Yeah, well, it's, it's, we've been there, um, Pete, and and um, you, you'll know that Southampton's home form for a good two seasons was was not on the worst in the league. Couldn't buy a win at home, but the away form was was up there in in the top three of the entire league this season. Southampton managed to swing it around, and uh, and me and Tom coincidentally both tweeted out earlier that Southampton actually have home form this season only bettered by Liverpool. So to go from second worst last season to um, so far halfway through the season only being beaten by the champions, it, there is a way to turn it around. And I do agree, it's a lot harder to find out a winning formula on the road. Let's talk about Saints a little bit then, because it's interesting to me to, to see the perspective from the opposition and from the other side. From what you're saying about Leicester, it sounds maybe like Southampton are playing Leicester at the wrong time. There are always good times to play teams bad times and you, and you never get them all in the right in the right place during the season but sounds like the time to have played Leicester at, at the King Power has maybe passed and now everything's coming together the players as you said the cavalry's arriving and you'll be close to, to almost a, a full strength side how do you see the opposition how do you see Southampton and what do you see as the main threat coming from uh, Southampton how, how can you deal with it the first thing I'd say is that our problem all season has been conceding from set plays. We've got a poor record from corners from, from set plays for the uh, deeper. Now, the the addition of Wilfred Ndidi, even though he's not a centre-back, but his height is invaluable, absolutely invaluable. We've missed him more than maybe a taller centre-half. For Farner, Evans, so we throw Ndidi there. It, it does help, but um, looking at, at Southampton, set plays will be very important. Look at your, your defence, very good at getting forward. And I think that will... That will be a, a big part of the game. It really will be. Not saying you're just going to throw everyone forward at every opportunity, but if I was playing against Leicester, especially with the height of your back line, that, that really would be something I'd be looking for. And also with Southampton on the counter again, you know, a decent counter attacking side. And you also you have two forwards, which are in, in football now it's quite rare to have a side who has two forwards. You've got we know what Danny Ings is about. You know, I don't really need to explain that, anything at all when it comes to him, a, a fabulous footballer. And then um, a, a alongside him, it depends who it's going to be. I presume everyone's fully fit. It's going who would, to, who would be alongside him? Jay Adams should be back. I mean, we'll hear about it tomorrow, actually, in, in the press conference. But I, I believe Shay Adams was due to come back. Maybe could, could be moved around if he's not fit. And then, it, then you'd imagine that it'd be Walcott up front. But I would, I would, go with Shay Adams starting. Yeah, I'm a big big fan of him. I think those two can really put it up to the defence because it is strange having two forwards. Many players, many teams now just play with the one forward and the three behind. Theo Walcott's always had a very good record against Leicester when he's played for Arsenal or, or up at Everton now back down at Southampton. So, um, you know, certain players click against certain teams. It's strange because we're playing Chelsea after yourselves at the King Power. I'm more worried about Southampton than I am against Chelsea. I really am. Mainly because of the way that the game kind of fits. The two centre-forwards worry me. Mainly because of the positional sense of someone like a Fafana at the back. I wouldn't be surprised if Leicester do actually change to a back three, which would surprise many because it seems that four at the back has worked really well, especially with the full-backs James Justin earlier I mentioned about. But I wouldn't be surprised if they go with a three, expecting Southampton to play with a two. That would be better for me for Leicester. So Yunchu could come back into the side. And if that's the case, it would help against, I'm not going to call him, uh, uh, a, a, a battering ram, but a, a more physical centre forward. I do worry that Southampton will create more than a lot of other sides. Set plays is going to be a big, 
big thing. But overall, I'm um, I would not be surprised at all if if Southampton not only pick up a point but possibly go on and win this game. That, and that might sound a bit, bit weird, really, coming from a, a Leicester fan with the the record that we've got at the moment in the form that we've got. But with these two games coming up pretty quickly. I just think the start of this game is going to be very important. Leicester are a very good front-running side. Very, very good. And there's been a, a, a real lack of goals in the first, say, 20, 25 minutes for Leicester at home uh, to really front-run with. If that's the case, then I'll be confident about Leicester then going and controlling the game. But if not, I think Southampton, they can turn up at the King Power and probably have more of the ball than Saints fans would, would maybe think against a, a team like Leicester. The thing is with Leicester, we don't, create that many chances but we've got a great record of, of taking our chances and I just think that if, if we get the first goal we can control if not I can see Southampton really getting a foothold in the game and causing problems set plays especially and if it's close late on the panic might set in at the back for Leicester you, you probably wouldn't have expected me to say that but uh, that's, I really do think they're a side who stack up very well in all areas against this Leicester side, even as good as Leicester are. Tom, eager to see what your thoughts are from, from a Southampton fan's point of view. I mean, as Pete says, with, with the lack of ability, is not the word, but struggling to deal with set pieces, Southampton's main avenue into um, scoring from set pieces has been big Yannick Vestergaard, who seems to be still out injured and probably missed the game. So I'm sure Pete and Leicester fans will be happy to hear that the uh, the big six foot seven Dane isn't going to be coming forward for every single set piece. But the delivery will still be there. Ward Prowse obviously gives us great delivery and that's that's a lot of the reason why we are so good from set pieces. I look at these two teams and I think there are some really interesting battles all over the pitch. Looking forward to seeing uh, Romeo or Diallo and Ward-Prowse up against Tielemans and Ndidi in a, in a midfield four, if it was. If they then managed to kind of drop a Madison or someone else in there as well, how will Southampton manage to deal with that? Where do you see the difference between the two sides? When you line them up against each other, there's, there's always a weakness for one side that can be exploited, or there's always something that, that sways it in the other direction. I mean, the way Southampton have been playing, those two inside wingers if you want to call it that and how Walcott especially has been playing very difficult to defend against and Pete's mentioned how not many sides play in the way that Southampton do well, well no one plays the way Southampton do but especially with that sort of formation what what are your thoughts a from from a Southampton fan's point of view in, in what we'll have to deal with but b how how Southampton could potentially go to the King Power and, uh, and pick up something. Well, first point I want to make is the, the waxing lyrical from Pete. You can definitely come back on the podcast. An opposition fan coming on and speaking of Southampton so highly, definitely, uh, definitely worth an invitation back on for the, uh, the second time the, uh, the, the sides play. Uh, Callum, in answer to your question, in terms of Saints halting leads, now, Jamie Vardy is one of the, one of the if not the best striker in the Premier League. And Southampton, as brilliant as they have been, Bednarik and, and Stevens will be up against a very quick, clever striker. Now, of course, they, they've just kept Liverpool out, but Liverpool have dominated possession, whereas Leicester, their strength is counter-attacking. And that's where the Saints' defence can sometimes, especially Bednarik, can sometimes be pulled out of position where if he gets a bit too confident, Saints like to play it out from the back. And you feel with the pressing and the pace of Vardy, that's potentially where they could get caught out. And also from an attacking point of view, 
it's how Saints can create from the defence. Now, without Vestergaard, Walker-Peters is missing that long diagonal ball because Jack Stevens, as good as he is, he does not have the quick thinking to play that particular pass that we've seen from Vestergaard. But I think whilst that will be a key area, I think where it will be, the, the game will be won and lost, and it's easy to say, but it will be in the middle of the pitch. It will be Ward-Prowse and Romeu versus the midfield two for Leicester because Tielemans brilliant creative player and indeed it's almost like they are the, the same midfield Ward Prowse being Tielemans and Ndidi being Romeo. one is breaking up the play and providing cover for the defence whilst the other, way, other one is being uh, the creative in, instinct and I feel that whoever wins that midfield battle will give the chances to to Ings or to Vardy but of course as Pete said we are very dangerous from set plays. Yes, we are missing Vestergaard, but let's not forget that our solitary goal against Liverpool did come from a set play, even though it was brilliantly finished by Danny Ings and maybe a bit of an unorthodox goal to score from a set piece, but it still was from a set piece. So Leicester are still are very high in the table of conceding goals from set pieces. So I would not be surprised if to see if the game if one of the sides is to win it. I wouldn't be surprised if Saints were to win it through through a set piece if they can win that midfield battle. I feel that if you keep Vardy quiet, Leicester lose a lot of firepower. And I'm sure uh, um, if Pete wants to dispute that, that's absolutely fine. But I feel if you manage to keep Vardy quiet, then you have a very good chance of winning against any Leicester team. Yeah, it's, it's strange with Vardy because it's actually not Vardy himself because Vardy's never quiet. It's the, it's the supplier to him. Uh, the one player is James Madison, essentially. If he's playing very well, really Leicester do purr. And they can have spells of 20 minutes where they can essentially rip sides apart. Um, if you stop the service to Vardy, then Vardy won't play. Vardy in himself, he doesn't need to touch the ball. He doesn't need to search for the ball. He's played games where he's touched the ball five or six times in one half. Sounds incredible. And then all of a sudden he gets on the end of a ball, scores, scores a penalty, say, and has to win 2-0 and he's bagged two. And it hasn't been in the game at all. He, he, he really isn't that player. You, you do need to watch him, though, just a, a minute on Vardy the best player that's ever played for the football club. We all know about Jamie Vardy, but he's developed into an all-round exceptional forward. He's just turned 34. He isn't slowing down. His runs are, are superb, very well-timed. He's an incredibly intelligent footballer. And essentially, he's getting better. It sounds crazy, but he's getting better. He's got Tommy Barnes on one side, who the only thing missing from Barnes was a finish. And he's really worked on that and he scored a couple of goals recently in the Premier League and he's getting better and better and better. I think maybe an England call-up may be a bit too soon for, say, things that happen or may not happen in the summer. And on the other side, Mark Albright has been playing extremely well and, uh, and filling the place which many, many people would look at Leicester and, and, and have a multitude of players uh, ahead of him. The rest of the side is quite straightforward. Don't underestimate, obviously, the form that James Justin's in, but Vardy himself, I can't not really have him down as, as, a, as a huge danger. It always will be, but um, it doesn't have to be on the counter. But th the main man really would be Madison. Keep him quiet, and Leicester's passing and move football going forward can really be stifled. Uh, if that's the case, you're looking for someone to take over. Uh, at the moment, th there are one or two areas of the pitch where they're kind of lacking, and if he doesn't play well, and generally Leicester going forward don't play well. And we've, I've already said, at home, that has been a bit of a problem because plan B, there isn't really one. Of course, the last 
two fixtures at the uh, at the King Power. Saints have won by two goals to one both times. So, which is strange considering Southampton actually had quite a, a poor record at the King Power prior to those two fixtures. Saints will, of course, will be wanting to repeat that feat. If you were to make sort of a an early prediction now for the game how how do you see this one going i think there's gonna be goals i would say a draw i generally would say a draw um maybe a desmond so something like a 2-2 maybe a 1-1 but um i'd go for goals 2-2 why not the, the big thing for me would be if the game is tight late on set plays really for southampton especially late on and that may be getting back into the game maybe being say 2-1 down or 1-0 down but the important thing for me is if leicester score first if southampton score first in the first 20 minutes i've got no qualms about saying that Leicester can easily get back into the game none at all it's just if leicester score first in the first 20 minutes and really start to tick they can play football for 20 minutes, which means Leicester could be two or three up. And if that's the case, game over. It really would be. So um, the, the first 20 minutes is always important. But Leicester at home in the form they're in, if they take the lead and start really knocking the ball around and you're watching at home going, hang on, we, we, we haven't really had a touch for the last five or six minutes. That's when I think Southampton fans should be worried. But we'll see what happens. But I'll, I'll go for a draw. I'm, um, I'm, I'm confident about Southampton exploiting holes in Leicester's side and problems this season and I think I think 2-2 would be uh, have uh, have plenty of value I've been backing Wesley Fofana to score first or to at least score for Leicester all season he's hit the bar he's had chances galore he's a real danger from set plays he hasn't scored yet so if you fancy a little outside punt on a uh, on a big price Fofana maybe to get a goal from a free kick at the uh, at what I think is the right end rather than the other end. Callum, in terms of you looking ahead to the game, Saints have, by the time that Saints play, they will have not played a match in roughly two weeks. Now, is that, how, how do you see that? Do you see that as a bonus for Saints as a, as a rest, or do you see that possibly as a potential bit of destabilising, just maybe, I mean, they weren't in brilliant form going into that, uh, into that Liverpool game and everyone's on a high that we have beaten that. Is there any way that that could maybe destabilise those two weeks without a fixture? I mean, you can argue a, a lack of momentum just from that Liverpool game, but I, I, I think it's a huge plus um, for the way in which Lampton play under Harsin Hussle. Energy is key and despite a, a, a long Christmas period where we, we struggled to get some some wins they were so energetic and, and fantastic in that first half against Liverpool they then had to adapt how they play and 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 park the bus essentially and uh, and they defended really well I'm happy that we've had an extended period of what will be you know just shy of two weeks by the time we play Leicester I think that's good news for us, I think they can recharge the batteries. They can work on things without the, the distraction of, of football matches. Uh, what, what interests me is, especially with what Pete was saying about Vardy, with Southampton have struggled this season or earlier this season with pace in behind. Southampton played a certain way with a really high line, but without a lot of pace. And, and we were punished you know, numerous times. Uh, you think back to Son Heung-min at, at St Mary's, for instance, first home game of the season. So Vardy is the best in the league at attacking those spaces. And Hartson has said time and time again that regardless of who we play against, Southampton will play the same way. And for me, we've said before that one weakness, I think, of the way that Southampton play is with how the, the centre-backs are encouraged to, to dart and sort of nail the player or, or take the ball 
before the first touch and they're often too late and that creates that space in behind. So if Madison and Vardy are playing and they find those gaps and exploit them, Southampton could be in trouble. However, so we, what we saw in the last game was that Saints have found a way to batten down the hatches and protect a lead and they did it so well. So I wonder if we might see the same sort of thing where Southampton really go at Leicester to start with, try and get that early goal and then try and keep what we have, in which case I think you don't nullify Vardy because he's a great player, but you, you reduce that threat by having such a, a deep back four. But I, I think I, I'm, I'm with Pete on this. I think it could, it's got the potential to be an end-to-end classic this game. Lots of goals, lots of chances. I, would I prefer to have Vestergaard in the team? Would I feel stronger both going forward, but also defensively? Yes, I would. Other than that, I think we've got a pretty strong side and, uh, and I'm really looking forward to seeing how those four in the middle compete in central midfield. And like you said before, I think that's where the game could be won and lost. So I would, I, I, I'll back us to go there and, I mean, you know, keep the run of, of 2-1 wins away from home at the, at the King Power. I'll, I'll back us to do that just because we've, I can see us really being refreshed and being at our very best. And I think we're hard to deal with away from home and and of course Leicester's home form is dif- is is indifferent so there's definitely potential for us to go up there and win how we deal with Vardy will go a long way to deciding that I have to agree I think that I've been looking at the Leicester game I think it's a really good opportunity for Saints to get a win away from home now I would go for the 2-1 but I feel just to be a bit different I'm going to go I I I don't see it being a one one niller because I just feel there are going to be a lot of goals in this game and I feel that it's going to be really entertaining because I highly doubt that Saints are going to go there and sit back and try and catch Leicester on the break. This seems to be one where, especially for the first half, it will be both sides going at each other and I think I'm going to go for a high-scoring 3-2 win to for Southampton, first on match of the day. I just want to ask Pete one one final question before we wrap up for the evening. There is a, I mean, it's just a, it's just a rumour, but it's a rumour that seemingly won't go away. But Southampton have been linked to Damari Gray for a, a, couple, mind, a couple of, a couple of months <laughs> now. And I feel, let's get an opinion from someone who has seen him play, albeit not as often recently, not that often recently with the resurgence of Leicester being in such good form. But if, say hypothetically, Southampton do bring in Damari Gray, what kind of player would they be getting? Getting an excellent player, an excellent signing, essentially because he'll be free or next to nothing because his contract, I believe, ends in the summer. Uh, Damari Gray is leaving Leicester because he hasn't got a first-team place. And for one reason or another, behind the scenes, we don't know what, nothing, nothing major has come out or nothing spectacular, but um, there seems to be not a falling out, but a kind of parting of the ways. Uh, he joined the club, in the season we won the league, so he's got a league winner's medal. He's had plenty of opportunities. He's played really well on occasions. He's always just failed to really, and I've used the term kick on, because we've had so many players who have done that, even if they've taken a long time, but essentially they've, they've then gone and kicked on with their career. Chilwell, Barnes, really have then gone and kicked on. Um, James Justin, right now, in the middle of, of a player who really has done that. But Gray never did. He's got all the talents in the world. He's quick. He's very skillful. But he won't beat a man. He's not a player who will glide. Someone like Walcott back in the he will glide past the player uh, using his pace, using his raw ability, using skill. But what Gray will do, he'll stop and he'll maybe move inside and look to move the ball. He is one of those players you always feel has got so much potential, but will never really ultimately put it out there on the field. Overall, he's still a good player. He's played as a centre forward for England on the 21s on occasions. So whether ultimately that will be his position, I doubt it. I would still have him more of a wide player 
of maybe a three behind a forward, or you can play anywhere really in the front three. He's overall a very good talent. He needs to move to further his career. It's a no-nonsense signing. And if he does start to fulfil his potential, then you've got an excellent player. Overall, I just think it's an absolute no-brainer of a signing for football clubs in the Premier League. He's a very good player. And um, he just needs a run of games as well. And, and ultimately, I think Leicester have just kind of kicked on away from him. If he does turn up, then you'll see you've got a really good player. And hopefully a change in uh, location will do him the world of good. So uh, good luck to him. Pete, it has been a joy to have you on the show. Thank you very much for coming on and talking about Leicester. First of our opposition fans to come onto the show. It's been a pleasure having you on. No problem. Hopefully I'll be back on again when we win 9-1 next year at uh, the St Mary's. Obviously with uh, Demari Gray scoring that one and we'll be back with our usual nine. We weren't going to mention the word nine, but you've gone and done it right at the very last. <laughs> oh, it was always there. It was just in the background, and it, I just had, had to at one point. I had to, but uh, yeah, what a, well, <laughs> I suppose the least said about that, the better on this podcast, but uh, there you go. One of them games, wasn't it? It was just one of those games. It was one of those games. If you want to find Pete on Twitter, you can find him. The For Fox Sake podcast, the best name podcast uh, going around, at FFS Pod on Twitter uh, or at Pete Selby on Twitter as well. If you want to find the podcast on Twitter, you can find us at under underscore Saints. You can find me at T214Murray. You can find me at Callum Wilson21. Yep, thanks for coming on, Pete. Hopefully, we'll be back at our respective stadiums bringing the uh, the AD service for our much sport sooner rather than later. But uh, thanks for coming on. Keep safe and uh, thanks for everyone for listening.